As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you, Why mad? you mad? Uh, hey, Louisa, what's up? Uh, hi, Jake. How you doing? I'm good. I'm just chilling. Um, uh mostly committing to my I'm never leaving the house again thing post tour because uh, I was so tired from touring and stuff and but I did go watch Patty Smith play in Central Park last night oh wow that's cool how was that it was pretty cool it's funny because she's really old now they're all really old so mm-hmm. like old old 70s punks look they just look like um, hippies and and like their message is all you know kind of dated and kind of kind of boomery like they have all like i mean she has a song called rock and roll n word but she doesn't say the n word it's one of her most famous songs and like she didn't play it but i somebody was who was there was telling me like yeah sometimes she closes with it and just like now they just don't say the word and stuff and they played like Lou Reed walk on the wild side and there's that line yeah. like and the colored girls go do and they said like something else is <laughs> interesting yeah. and then also like her uh she's like she you could t- you could tell it's weird man f- to have such a central like figure to punk be like kind of a boomer now because you could tell like some of her her political messages she was kind of making just about like resisting Trump or whatever which is fine but you know it's not the He's whole not story. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, she didn't mention him, but there was just a oh, vibe yeah. of like, like somebody was telling me like, oh yeah, when when there's a Republican in office, they play these songs, and then when there's not, they kind of don't. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not gonna roast <laughs> Patty Smith. She's a sweet old lady, but it was just an interesting artifact to witness. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. How are you? Uh, I mean, well, in general, I think that's like. One of our one of our tragedies, one of our I mean minor tragedies, I guess, of growing up or getting old or whatever, is um, seeing I don't want to say heroes because I really don't think I had heroes, but like people that you respect or you look up to, or I don't even say look up to, but like respect, you know, um, when they don't die young, <laughs> they, they they most often get old and get bad opinions and are bad man it happened to me with um willie colon who is this like sorry i dropped my scratchy he is this uh puerto rican well new yorkian really he's like a new yorkian um salsa singer right but he is super i guess famous in the latin world you know he's like known as one of the greatest salsa singers ever in the history of salsa yeah and he is a puerto rican who like didn't even speak spanish really jake right because he's a New Yorkian. So he was like a second generation American Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? Like Puerto Ricans are American, but uh-huh. he had like his parents had moved to the Bronx or to Harlem. Right. right. So he grew up here and he didn't really like speak Spanish and he had American friends. And then he went to like all the black jazz clubs in the Lower East Side and in Harlem. And he got into jazz and he got into like um, African rhythms and all this shit. And then he realized that in Puerto Rico, they also have African rhythms. So he was part of creating this like fusion of salsa and jazz. And it's like the most 
I mean, it's amazing. It's a very signature sound. A bunch of bands came up and af- afterwards and did it. And this dude, he's like amazing. And I fucking love him. And I like got drunk one day and I tweeted about how awesome he is. I remember we should listen to him. And some Latino wrote back to me. and was like, oh, you know, he's like a right wing chud now. <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa. ah, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, dude. So it's like a lot. Uh, oh, that sucks. I think most often, you know, I'm trying to just accept that. Uh, who was the other one? Oh, Norm MacDonald died this week. And yeah. then, you know, everybody poured out all the stories of when they met him or how he inspired them and you know yeah i think norm mcdonald's a great funny dude i mean i never met him i think he's a great funny comic is what i should say um but then afterwards i follow enough comics to see multiple stories of him crossing the line with young women comics yeah green rooms and saying or doing inappropriate things to them and like maybe not to the extent of abuse but certainly to the extent of inappropriate um and it's weird i don't know it sucks because it just is wrong anybody you idolize i think is like automatically you're just asking to hear how you should like why you shouldn't <laughs> yeah i mean with patty smith she was not bad at all by the standard that you hold yeah, old celebrities <laughs> to like she was still yeah. fucking cool it's just it was really funny because i with punk from like the 70s i expect consistency would be if she was now on stage yelling about joe biden but that is a bridge yeah. too far for like an old celebrity right yeah. so it, but she wasn't like a trumper she was just kind of like this vague like thanks for coming out everyone get vaccinated or whatever and i was like this is really funny to hear patty smith yeah. talking like that like a sweet old lady but like yeah. i know what you mean because um a there's uh there's this guy chingo bling in uh in Houston that I remember watching like when I was growing up he was a Houston rapper and he was really cool Houston rap was its own fucking thing that had like its own weird micro scenes and eras and stuff that people don't know about and shit um, I used to see little flip and Paul Wall and stuff when I was growing up fucking cool and there was this guy chingo bling around who was mexican and he there were a lot there was a lot of good mexican rappers in houston i remember i liked him a lot and he started doing comedy like recently in the last like (laughs) five to ten years and he followed me recently and i was like honored like i was like oh my god houston cred you know like fucking chingo bling wants to hang out or whatever and then uh (laughs) <laughs> he unfollowed me and I was like what's going on why did he unfollow me and I looked at his page and I, re- I read his like Wikipedia and stuff oh politics shit he became a MAGA guy like I thought he was joking oh, when I saw him shit. tweeting like MAGA shit I was just like this guy's hilarious because he was funny and he is a comedian yeah. and stuff but he legitimately became a MAGA Trumper and uh, I don't know what to do with that like Sure. I know, man. And and I guess like I made the connection to the petty shit that you were talking about. Not because I'm saying that her being like a lib it now is as bad as Norm MacDonald being a harasser or, you know, like I'm not saying it's equal, but I just equated it in the sense of like it being a disappointment to who you expect them to be, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I say that it's worth equating because this very day, Jake, uh, Joe Biden's border patrol was uh, whipping Haitian refugees from horses. Yeah, so saw, saw that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like there's video of white men on horses using whips to keep Haitian refugees, a country that is like very much ravaged because of us. <laughs> and then they're just like, get the fuck out of here with a whip, like 
they don't even see them as people. It's so fucking gross. And this is something that is 100% controlled by Joe Biden, that they could do something about, that they chose today not to include in a bill that they could have passed. I'm not saying this specific case, but like some kind of money towards immigration reform or some anything. But no, they chose not to do it. So yeah, it is really hard to not say that anyone who supports the Democrats is not it's like less than a degree away from somebody who supports Trump. Right. I mean, at the same time, uh, the other thing that happened today is that, you know, that Senate parliamentarian whip thing that they keep mm-hmm. rolling out. This is a person whose job does not actually carry any weight. Like what happens is that there's this, this figure in part in the Senate who can advise uh, the Senate not to pass a bill, but that doesn't mean that they don't pass it. Like there's no actual block there. It's a meaningless yeah. statement, but the Democrats keep using that to say, Oh, we can't do this we thing can't. because of yeah. the whip, but it's like their own fucking person. They just like, it's a point man for them or whatever, like a patsy. Yeah. And they, uh, pass this $3.5 trillion fucking yada, yada, yada bill today. And then they use the whip to go, Oh, the whip is keeping us from being able to fund this money into uh, citizenship for DACA dreamers. Yeah. So it's the, whip it's not us right but it's like if you're paying attention this is the same when we were saying this is literally the same shit as trump it's like this is what the fuck we were talking about you know but i want to go back to that norm mcdonald thing for a minute because uh that shit is kind of interesting man like collective mourning online is so bizarre i i had a weird experience where i logged on and i didn't know he was dead yet so i just saw somebody tweeting about him and they were comparing him to adam carolla as a joke and i think the joke was like they look kind of similar and like i hate this other one. It's like sucks like adam carolla is like this horrible conservative you know yeah and i replied to him and i went you know fucking norma donald that great either like politically because he's not, and then, not. and then, but it, then I deleted it because I realized, oh, everyone's mourning and stuff, yeah. and I'm just like, I don't fucking, I'm getting uh, tired of getting all this smoke on Twitter and people fucking like actually agitating people. So, so I just deleted it just so it didn't start a fucking fight or whatever. But um, but he was like, <laughs> like, and I saw these people, and it's fine when someone dies, you know, you don't fucking like, it's not like a binary like they were good or bad. You just. Right. Talk yeah. about everything, and that includes good stuff and bad stuff. But, like, I mean, I saw people, like, rewriting him to the point of, like, some, like, leftist tweeted out him just doing Norm MacDonald shit on a talk show. And they were like, he's doing dialectics at Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. And oh it's like, God. no, he's no. not, man. <laughs> I no, mean, he's not. maybe on some abstract level, like, everything is dialectics. But I think he was just doing comedy and he also like isn't he wasn't the leftist he was like a conservative guy watched yeah. golf and shit it was just really funny you know <laughs> this is weird that people like and people got really like at each other's throats over that stuff i completely stay i mean i didn't completely stay out of it i retweeted a few compliments not compliments but like cool reminiscences i guess and clips that i enjoyed and then I retweeted some of the women talking about their experience because, I don't know, equal. I mean, I yeah. think that's the whole point about the guy and about people in general. Is they, are, um, they are made up of more than just how you see them and how they've interacted with you. They also have interactions and impressions with and on other people. I've been and doing a joke. Who they are. We're doing a joke on stage about Dave Chappelle, and uh, people get real squirrely when you criticize him. And the point I've been trying to make to people is like, um, 
uh, he is one of my favorite comedians of all time. And also this thing I have to say about him is true. Like those two things yeah. can exist at the same time, but it's really hard for people to hold both of those at the same time, you know, but I mean, it's the same thing. Like I retweeted, I found a fucking recording of this thing that ha he was doing live that I saw him do live a couple times that was really funny. And I happened to be in the room for one of them. And it's like a fucking one of the greatest pieces of comedy I've ever witnessed. And then also, yeah, I mean, one of those women who was talking about him, you know, being gross and shit in the green room, this is like a person I know in Austin and like, and I believe her especially, I mean, I would believe her anyway, but I especially believe her because I heard these stories years ago. So this isn't something that's just being drummed up like right now. This is like something that people have been carrying with them. And then they have to see you fucking going, hey, this guy was a saint. And it's like, of course, of course they get to chime in and talk about this, you know, the only way this person affected them. And it's like not yeah. canceling or whatever. It's just like a expression, you know? It's fucking fine. I saw people trotting that shit out. Oh, you're trying to cancel Norm? It's like, he's dead. <laughs> like, he doesn't care, you know? <laughs> what is he canceled from? Uh, I'm going to cancel you after you died. Yeah. What does that even <laughs> I mean, mean that is, at this that point? That is what people are doing to, like, I don't know, Nietzsche and fucking Tom Sawyer guy, whatever. But anyway, who cares? Who cares about that? Let me let me not start a fight there. I, I do... Um, Oof, I don't know. I don't want to get into this territory because I'm wrestling with my own personal connections to men who are inappropriate towards women in comedy. Mm. And I, by wrestling, I mean I don't really know what to do with it yet because, you know, I didn't know Norm MacDonald personally. And the stories that I read, which the caveat here is that that doesn't mean that I know for a fact that Norm Macdonald did not do anything worse than what I'm about to say. <laughs> it just means that the things that I read about, right, uh, were like shitty guy shit. I mean, I don't know. That makes it sound like I think guys do guy shit and it's fine. That's not what I mean. Fuck. Okay, let me try to not sound like an old ass person. <laughs> an old ass woman. <laughs> uh, um, okay, like in the way that's... I don't know. There's some ways in which people, and especially in comedy, I think, especially, okay, I guess let me frame this in nice statements, right? Um, I think that I'm a woman that most men in comedy um, don't see in a sexual way, right? And they don't see in a way of, like, uh, I don't know, trying to, like, make advances or whatever the fuck. Um, and yet, Jake, I have had interactions with male comics where their jokes are inappropriate. I know that they're not trying to fuck me. I know that they are not trying to touch me. And yet, the way that they spoke to me or about me in front of me is demeaning. Or it's clear that they don't respect me because I'm a woman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are plenty of times in which, in comedy and in your workplace, you are going to interact with another person who dehumanizes you who makes you feel less than right and honestly it has happened to me with people of all genders in all jobs and it, this is not an excuse again i don't know norm mcdonald but i feel like there has been a few instances in comedy ugh, this is totally gonna get me canceled speak of cancellation <laughs> But there have been a few instances in comedy, which I'm not even willing to get specific about right now, but I'm just going to put it out there that we should think about, in which people have conflated 
a rapist and a person who grooms um, teenagers and a person who traps women comics in a hotel room with like touch a butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And here's the thing. Nobody should have their butt touched. Nobody has the right to touch your butt. You don't have the right to grab any butts. Anybody who's listening to this, right? That makes you a piece of shit. You crossed the boundary. You're not respecting somebody's body and humanity and autonomy. But that is not the same as a rapist. That is not the same. Like, being disrespectful and being shitty and being a bad coworker and being a person you don't want to be around is not the same thing as being a predator. Yeah. You know what else people have conflated with those things that yeah. I think is really fucked up is uh, cheating. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that is not the same thing as violating someone's like no that you have that's... bad you're you have bad fucking self-awareness and bad interpersonal relationships and bad ability to deal with conflict and therefore you avoid conflict all the time and you do things to try to self-sabotage and sabotage your relationship that's yeah. all fucking you're, it's not a predatory behavior 99.9 percent of the times with cheaters you know what what's kind of funny about that yeah. is uh you know, so that John Mulaney thing happened like a week or two oh ago. Oh my god, that was so funny! Yeah, yeah. So that. he, I guess, left his wife, and then really quickly got together with another woman, and now she's pregnant. And like celebrity gossip, people are like, "What's the story? What happened here?" You know, and something I think is really funny is watching people who are kind of trad enough to where they would accuse cheating of being like evil or like immoral or like you know just relationship stuff like that but those people all love John Mulaney so they've had to like twist (laughs) this around (laughs) and like the take that I've seen a couple times is like he has darkness of course he has darkness you know no one ever said he doesn't have darkness just because he's like a really bright and shiny likable comedian on stage you know it's a classic and it's like I think that's really funny because it that's not darkness. That's just humanity. Like people yeah. break up with <laughs> like, you know, with people and get in and out of relationships and are addicted to drugs and stuff. And it's not like I mean, you can call it darkness, I guess, if you just want to talk about it being like in contrast to their general aesthetic of being like a friendly, nice person. But it's not darkness in the sense of like it's Im- like John Mulaney secretly immoral or anything like yeah. he like, you know grabs people's asses or fucking exposes himself or or you know violates anyone's consent or whatever i think that that's just people that like have painted themselves into a corner with already accusing men of being shit like immoral for that sort of stuff and then wanting Mm -hmm. to go no but i like john mulaney though you know well, it's interesting that you bring that up because it does seem like the whole full circle pro- problem of what I'm pointing at, I guess, right? Like, mine was step two and yours is step three. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. They're totally like, just coming back around where they're realizing the conflict. Um, but I guess it's a conflict that I'm having because they definitely, I mean, nobody wants to keep assholes in the workplace. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't know. It's weird. Because honestly, most comics are assholes. Ooh, I don't. I don't know how to. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I more and more lean towards just like this might be my last year producing comedy. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, who knows? I'm just honestly, I'm making pots, Jake. I don't know. Yeah, we've talked about that here. Oh, uh, I'm in a similar space. I'm getting really bummed out with like looking at the entire like mm-hmm. huge cast of people that I've met in the span of time that I've been in comedy and been going like. 
the entire time you're doing comedy, you feel really dark and morose and cynical because you're like, the world is terrible. But if you step back and look at it and you realize, the, no, that world is terrible. Not everyone is like this. Like, And I think that COVID's given me kind of some perspective on this and maybe you just realize, like, this yeah. thing brings out the worst in people. I like doing it, but I don't really like the like way that it operates and what it sort of brings out of people especially like in the big city of new york you know like comedy is great when you're on the road because you're meeting people who just have a dream and they just like a thing or whatever but the the way it all forms together with like what it means to be a comedian in new york kind of just makes people really cynical and gross and like and i guess i didn't you know, you always the door is always there. You can walk out whenever you want, but it never it always felt like you weren't supposed to. Or like if you leave you yeah. will lose all your fucking chips and not be able to cash them out or whatever. But now I'm starting to realize like I'm having so much fun doing not other doing things it. with yeah. like my time and stuff. <laughs> that, like it it yeah. doesn't feel that appetizing anymore, which is weird because I still really like doing comedy. But like, I keep I keep like pairing off like pieces of it, like a fucking yeah, like a I little know. what do you call it bonsai tree thing. Like, mm -hmm. oh, what if I just snip I'm get, off? I'm getting this piece? I'm getting to the last branch. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> very, I'm very close to the last branch. Uh, yeah, that's really funny that you say that, honestly, Jake. Because I mean, you and I haven't talked since the last podcast, and in that time, I've had several conversations with comics who are coming to a conclusion about like they think they're just going to write um they are going to try to perform one to two times a week because they do enjoy performing but they don't see any point in grinding anymore and just and spending the time on that in, uh, in this way of like trying to get booked when they could be spending the time on something else that makes them more satisfied or makes them more money and then just do the stand-up thing a couple times a week yeah they like to do that that's you know? called the Flores conclusion, which is what yeah. they're coming to. Yeah, and I'm hearing it more and more from comics. I've also talked to, you know, I'm also not going to name anybody because everybody's decisions are private and all this stuff, but producers in multiple cities that are quitting, Jake. Whoa. Yeah, dude, and here's the thing, right? Like, that's where I've been teetering at for, like, a year, and the thing is that I'm closer and closer to just being, like, really okay with it. I'm really enjoying my life outside of comedy, basically. And um, I had a conversation with someone else who's like a been a long time New York person in comedy. And this person, I don't know, they really left me very conflicted because the thing is, okay, let me bring up some Bruno Latour a little bit here. But I am really struggling in that I am swinging wildly right now between hubris and despair. Okay. Right. Uh, and my dear friend Bruno says that that is the <laughs> ultimate state of modernity is that we exist in a permanent state of swinging between the extremes of hubris and despair. Yeah. And my despair, everybody's been listening to for <laughs> a year <laughs> or more. Uh, my despair is a giant combination of like. You know, I think all of the comedy industry is a giant parasite on a bunch of artists. I think comedy fans, for the most part, don't do enough to actually give a shit about the artists that they supposedly like. Uh, I think there's a bunch of white fucking supremacists and fascists in comedy that I can't do anything about. I think Manhattan is lost to us like an island of zombies and we should just burn down Brooklyn Bridge and Manhattan <laughs> Bridge so they can't come over here. Um, 
I am really very much despairing. You know, even like the closing of the creek, whatever, I don't know, whatever I have said in the past or can be said about it not being a perfect venue and not having the perfect owner and not always being the greatest experience, et cetera. Um, it was a place for us to meet and for new people to move here and start and find community. And now we don't have that, Jake. Now we are really on the verge of going back to siloed um, comedy networks, I guess, where, I don't know, I tried to have a show in Manhattan because my attempt was still to maintain a show that is not a club show that still was close enough for like the Bronx and the Harlem comics to be able to come, you know, even Jersey City and whatever they could easily come across, you know, the path and whatever. Yeah. But it didn't work and we weren't making enough money and the venue was charging us to perform and there's no people in Manhattan because nobody's working from the office. So there's no one hanging out after work in bars or going to shows. So it's just like a fucking dead zombie town. And so then I'm like moving to Brooklyn, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just becoming a silo again. So whether it quit or not, I think that the problem is that what we're facing is. So this is where the hubris comes in, right? <laughs> where I am feeling like one of the last, not the last, but one of the last anchors to keeping New York City comedy as like a whole. I guess, which is so fucking conceited and stupid to say, but like, if not by early next year, it will just be like the Park Slope group will do their thing. Bushwick will do their bar shows. Uh, Williamsburg will do their shows. That's like four shows there. Uh, Astoria will do their shows, but that they don't even get photographers, so that's not even documented. So you know, if a tree falls, it's <laughs> whatever. Uh, um, so damn, and then take that, Astoria. Sorry, Astoria. I love you guys. You're so funny. Uh, but also, mostly the club comics live in Astoria, so they don't even perform in the shows in their neighborhood because they're fucking like cops. <laughs> that's so funny. That was yeah. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so Astoria knows what I mean. They know what I mean. Uh, they literally only have shows because they don't want to take the train to go do the good shows. <laughs> just kidding. So just kidding. I love you guys. Just also, kidding, Astoria. Yeah, the so, Har- really. uh, Harlem and the Bronx also has comedians. Jake, did you know that most comics don't know that in Brooklyn because I know. They, it's very hard to get from here to there and there to here and shit. So yeah, uh, it just seems like we're just gonna go off into silos. And I am, I guess, I'm torn because you know, Sugar Treat is one of the last big shows like who knows if maybe 50 first jokes will happen um the last year disrupted everything that was like one of the shows that everybody goes to you know what i mean that everybody gets to meet up is like our annual christmas or whatever um but then also like who gives a shit maybe nobody gives a shit and i should just quit and live a happy life what do you think is this your despair baby <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i just feel like uh if COVID hadn't happened, we would have just done Sticker Treat and Fifty First Jokes every year and done yeah. them forever and not really yeah. quest like ever examined this. Like yeah. what? Like what are we doing? What is the point of this? Is there an end goal? And it really isn't. And I think now, just being faced with that much more obviously, it, like it's a blessing and a curse to see it for what it is. Because yeah, now you're wise enough to where you maybe won't waste your entire life on something that doesn't have a point. But on the other hand. You know, there was kind of a lot of joy in being like all wrapped up in the opium of it, and like 
you know, just yeah. if you die in the middle of doing comedy, you technically die happy because you think you're happy yeah. when you're doing comedy, even though you're not, I guess. I don't know. I know. I know. So I don't know. That's I guess, honestly, I've been watching some crappy medical drama. <laughs> and every time they're like, one of the biggest dilemmas in medical dramas that happens all the time as an archetype is like whether or not you should let your patient die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whether you actually be uh, kinder and more compassionate and better for the doctor's health than mine. <laughs> like better for everyone. Yeah. If you just let the patient die versus like <laughs> fighting tooth and nail. Yeah. Alive on a ventilator. <laughs> Comedy's on a ventilator is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't imagine what this would feel like. This feels like so, um, like it lines up perfectly with the age that I'm at, where I'm like, okay, it felt like it was about time. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> for these, like, kind of, or at least like a, a new epoch to begin and like decisions yeah. to be made about what to do next. But like, I, what is this like if you're like 23 and you just moved to New oh, York and you're like, I'm nice. here to do it. And this is the beginning of a new world you're yeah. moving into. That's got to be completely bananas, you know? I'm so fucking yeah. exhausted from it that I don't really. <laughs> okay, welcome a break, and I also don't think it'll go away really. Yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as new comics doing anything this year or last year. I don't know. I decided, I don't know, whatever. I'm not even gonna bring that up. Leave that alone. <laughs> uh, we already talked a lot as we're checking in, and I think uh, we're always like, this is now what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about fun things, and then I'm like, here's my real check in hubris. <laughs> yeah. Despair. Real feelings. I'm gonna get a tattoo. This is hubris over despair. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. I wish uh, they were. They could fit on your knuckles. That'd be cool, but they can't. They're oh, too, I know they can't. Words. I could get finger implant. No. Okay. <laughs> um, we have been watching stuff because of our combination despair and hubris, <laughs> not giving a, sh a shit about other things we should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you want to go first? Do you think we should do like just a lightning round on the two things we watched that we want to talk about? Or do we just save them? What do we do here? No, let's talk about it. I want to talk about Malignant. I, okay, go, go. You do Malignant first. We'll oh. see how long we <laughs> Okay, so um, I've been online a little bit less. Still a lot, but less. I've been like really trying to, to ask myself. Same! Like when. I'm doing the same yeah. thing. Same, I'm doing the same thing with drinking and online, which is when you're doing it, ask yourself, do you actually want to be doing this or are you doing it out of habit? And if the answer is habit, I stop doing it. And if it's like Jeez. I'm having a good time, I do it, right? That's how Wait, I. Wait, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but how are we like this in tune, dude? Are you doing the same uh, so thing? I'm drinking some whiskeys tonight. But I am not, I have been like not drinking. I had, I think I drank one time in the last two weeks and I stopped smoking cigarettes. I mean, by stopped, I mean like I have had two in the last two weeks <laughs> that I bummed when I was drinking those two times. Yeah. One. So drastically improved and getting much better and on my way to quitting. But very funny that we're both on this wavelength of like, Man, it seems like I don't need these toxins if I'm not killing well, myself in comedy. <laughs> it's the exact same thing we were just talking about with comedy yeah. in general, of yeah. looking at it for what it is as opposed mm -hmm. to this constant drip of like a neuro 
chemical you're getting out of it or whatever that just keeps mm-hmm. you on a little hamster wheel or whatever, right? So yeah. that's why I'm like, you know, what we're at right now, I'm kind of into because this seems like it could actually make for long-term better living or whatever. Totally. So because of that, I saw, saw like, I'll see a thing and then I just won't, like, get in, sucked into it the way I feel like I tend to a lot. One of those things was people talking about this movie Malignant. So I purposely <laughs> was like, okay, I saw a couple of people tweet or post or whatever like this is the worst movie i've ever seen i want my time back (laughs) i saw like four or five of those in a row and then i saw one guy go malignant was brilliant and here's why (laughs) oh you fucking haters did you like it well it's you just have to jump right to it did you like it well so i started from there i literally i was about to read in further and i went you know what fuck this i want to watch it and just know what it is with this tiny amount of context, I don't want to hear people's takes or whatever. And so I watched it and I thought it was really funny because I'd seen like a preview for it, I think somewhere. And then, um, and then you, it's on HBO max and it's like their flagship thing. It's got a big fucking cool poster and stuff. And there's all this context around it. It's really confusing, but I was up, my hours were all fucked up. I watched it at like seven in the morning cause I couldn't sleep. I've been up all <laughs> night. So I finished it at nine in the morning and it was real weird. But, um, I, as a whole, I really liked it, but it put you it puts you on a, a roller coaster of like kind of trying to understand and form a decision about what it is. And I think the first thing that really throws people is that we're used to this A24 like smart horror stuff. And when something has a poster <laughs> like that and it's presented like like the, the poster makes it look like it's gonna be midsummer or something, and you're like, this is gonna be so and heady. The, and the trailer. Did you see the trailer? Yeah, I think the trailer also made it look so like it was gonna be like the really trailer, that's funny that you bring this up because the trailer very specifically used the one scene in the entire movie that is like visually super stunning like I think there are a lot of visually stunning and nice like I thought it was a a nice aesthetically looking movie yeah but the most impressive scene obviously is like that overhead multi-room shot where she's like running away because she thinks the guy's outside the house Oh so yeah, yeah. Inside the house, so she's like running up the stairs and everything, and it's like a dollhouse shot from the top. Right, it catches her running from room to room, like it's like a fucking blueprint sort yeah, it's of, cool. you know? Yeah, and it's super cool, but it's literally the only time it happens in the movie. So the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be this like visually tricky (laughs) and visually confusing movie and it's not it's not at all yeah no so i mean it is pretty and it's shot well but that's the only scene that even has that angle it's confusing because there's a couple moments of like really genuine cinematographical like Cinematograph. I can use the word wrong here. Cinematographically good, (laughs) like (laughs) polish, like beauty. Like honestly, there's a scene in the middle of it that, like, I'm still kind of struck with because I think it looked so cool. Which is the scene where they're in and spoilers or whatever you haven't seen the movie, but they're in the woman's house and that that other woman who turns out to be her mom falls through the ceiling. It's supposed to be this big shock jump thing, but when it happens. The fucking director does this thing with the camera where he cl- like clicks into slow motion. The police sirens start, and this really cool musical montage thing happens as they slowly <laughs> zoom in on everyone going like, oh my god, what's happening? They all think that the woman's a murderer now or whatever, and it's really stylistic. And I remember being like, why isn't this 
device happening more and more in the movie to give it a cohesive feel of like over the top campiness and like oh because the thing I kept thinking about and I don't know if this is just because I'm racist and I looked up the director and he's Asian (laughs) but I was like this my first thing that I reached for with why do people not understand this movie is is this like an anime horror film that was adapted to an American screen so people don't understand the the campiness of the characters and the bad acting and stuff. Yeah. And I still kind of feel like it reminded me of playing like Resident Evil or like a video I can game explain or something. This. Okay. Do you know why I can explain this? The director is one of the is the director of most of the Saw movies. Yeah. James so Wan. it is it is a Saw movie for A twenty four. Okay. Right? So Saw, especially the last one, did the thing where uh like the like the serial killer went after all cops, but then also cop the the cop who which was Chris Rock was like <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Forgot. Oh, you haven't seen it? No, no, no. You but should. it's okay. Right. I don't, we're not worried about <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, this is not a spoiler in any way. I'm just saying he throughout the movie this thing happens where he's like almost thrown into suspicion, and it could be him. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, like the cheap jumps, jump scares, or whatever. Yeah. Those were revealing of like I think if anything he the director probably wanted to put more of those in <laughs> in, in this like cheap tacky <laughs> way and maybe somebody edited them out edited them out. <laughs> yeah, there were a few of those in this movie and it was really alarming mm-hmm. because my cat I, my, if I lo- close my door it's on a latch and my cat will come and bang on the door and it tr- he fucking did it like in the middle of the movie in the dark and it was just like dun, 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 dun. I was like ah fuck the jump scare thing worked yeah. even though it's kind of a cheap device whatever they're kind of fun sometimes. But yeah, like, okay, so this movie, the thing that people have been saying about it is like it, like the acting was bad, and it like directorial just just looked like a <laughs> like an episode of CSI or like a WB show or something, which is yeah. really which is a really odd feeling for a movie. But I think what we're not realizing is that the context has just been ripped away from the situation because this movie looks like a campy horror film like a B horror movie like you would see you know at Blockbuster or something on like the mm-hmm. middle rack or whatever but it was presented to you with all these expectations and stuff that you're supposed to have and even if you're like oh this guy made the conjuring or whatever like that's still well he can also make a B horror movie like he's a horror director you know so i think that it it really like it something about it fucked with people's expectations but it in itself is fine in that it is funny. It is a pretty bad horror movie and it does break into like absurd territory at some point. But like that also is a thing that I think people have forgotten is like completely like not only acceptable in horror, it used to be kind of the rule. Like I was thinking about Freddy Krueger a lot because you eventually there's this reveal it turns out, you know, there's this this monster is kind of this like um, like I, I mean, I, spoiler, if you haven't seen the movie, turn off the podcast, but it's like it's the <laughs> main woman in the pod in the film has a fucking like conjoined twin brain thing in her <laughs> head and then it takes her over and it walks backwards and stuff and it kills people with this crazy knife that it made out of a thing it found in a hospital. And at one point it struck me in this movie because it turns into this ridiculous thing where the thing the monster just is kind of doing like superhero movie shit and like climbing all over buildings and stuff and it's fighting with its mom and then its sister and at one point i was looking at this and i was like holy shit they made a freddy krueger movie that passes the bechdel test (laughs) 
<laughs> this is great. Like, <laughs> this should exist. Have, have you ever seen The Dark Half? No. Uh, when I was in middle school, I skipped school. It was probably like one of the first times that I skipped school. I skipped school by myself, and I went to the movie theater at Miller, Miller Square Movie Theater in Miami. Anybody remembers? Uh, like at 2 p.m., you know what I mean? And yeah. I went to see this fucking horror film, The Dark Half, which is a Stephen King fucking movie. Okay. And it's like a movie about a writer who, uh, I mean, spoiler alert for The Dark Half from 1994, <laughs> but uh, it's basically like some writer, this is from my memory, who uh, he writes like horror novels or whatever the fuck, and he's very famous and rich, so it's like a Stephen King himself kind of guy. But he, uh, murders and shit start happening. And then it turns out, like, he starts thinking that he's doing it. And he's got, like, an alternate persona. Like, what the fuck? And it turns out that he, in the in utero, was twins. And then he ate his twin. Oh, cool. In utero. Man, Stephen King used to make some great shit. Yeah, dude. So it's, like, super fucked up. And I was, like, 13 or some shit when I saw it. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is horrible. I'm having nightmares at 2 p.m. And, like, during the day. It's horrible. So watching Malignant. I was like way ahead. I was like into this is like for sure a fucking twin situation, conjoined twin fucking thing. But I did not, I was completely taken aback by the whole fucking, oh, they didn't just like cut him off and kill him. <laughs> they fucking shoved him back into her head and closed off her skull. <laughs> yeah. And the reason that he got out is because her abusive husband pushed her against the wall while she was pregnant and cracked the back of her skull. So yeah. then he was able to get out because she didn't even go to the hospital with a cracked skull. <laughs> this is insane. So they totally did get me, right? Uh, but to your point, tell me if you think that this is like a crazy comparison maybe i'm going too far here but um what you were saying about about like people having a reaction as though their like expectations were questioned and they were let down and they like expected something better but then like isn't that a commentary i guess on what you were expecting that it's like art house shit or whatever fuck right yeah uh I I don't I don't think I've ever talked about this here, but there's like uh, an exhibition that is like one of the landmark exhibitions that you get taught about in museum anthropology stuff, right? Which is this exhibition that happened. Fuck, I don't remember which museum. Whatever, look it up. It's called Art Artifact, right? So art slash artifact. Mm -hmm. And I think it happened in the late '80s, early '90s. Like I said, I drank tonight for the first time <laughs> in a while, so bear with me. Uh, so the point of this exhibition, Jake, was that the curators, what they did was they were trying to make a point about how the way that we exhibit content affects the way that it is uh, received and what you're implying about it. Yeah. Right? So they had a whole room that was art, right, called art. And what it was was objects that were displayed in the white cube, Right. So they were displayed in the way that you see at the Met and at MoMA in a completely white room with a light directly over the object, uh, with a glass case, with a label that says the name of the person who created it and the year and the symbolism and the meaning. Blah, 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 right. Yeah. And then the other room, the next room was called Artifact. And in that room, objects were displayed in the anthropological way. Right. Which was multiples of the similar kind of object in cases they were alphabetized by the type of function that they did the labels didn't indicate an individual creator but instead in indicated a culture from which they came from <laughs> you know what i mean that's like yeah. if you put up a pollock and you were like north america 1946 <laughs> <laughs> you 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like nobody would do that. But when you look at African art from any country in Africa, they're like, Yoruba tribe, <laughs> unknown. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it's probably like a Nigerian dude who had a name who made this and yeah. he chose not to attribute it to him. Um, so the whole point of this exhibition was this idea of like, uh, what makes you think that the object presented in room one is art versus the room presented in, uh, sorry, the object presented in room two? Is it the way that we present it to you? Can't I present to you a spoon that is gilded and beautiful and tell you it was made by an artist and put it under glass and fucking lights and shit and tell you this is art versus put it in a case full of other kinds of spoons and explain what a spoon is used for and what country the spoon came from, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so this malignant and the way that you were talking about it kind of made me think of that because it seems like after all the movies that we have seen coming out of A24 and actually I've been watching on Showtime right now uh, they have collections. They do like movie collections. Uh -huh. And one of the collections is A24 movies. Okay. So they have a bunch that I didn't even realize were A24. And a lot of them are really bad. <laughs> but I've been watching them and everybody should watch them because, first of all, they're not all horror. Some of them are just like weird dystopic kind of shit. Like, yeah. I don't know. And so to me, Malignant, now that after listening to you talk about it, it seems to me like maybe that's a little bit of the point where it's like presenting you with very basic horror tropes. Because even, you know, what one of the things was for me, like literally from the first scene, I was like, why is this bitch wearing a wig? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so bad. And it was like, why? She has like a tiny head. Why does she have yeah. so much hair that is floating over her head for like two <laughs> inches? And then it turns out that it's because eventually they have to like explain how this whole man was living in the back of her head oh, I didn't notice <laughs> that at all I totally didn't I was like this is horrible costuming <laughs> for a movie in 2021 and for an A24 movie are you kidding me this is terrible well it wasn't an A24 movie so yeah oh, it's not? no it malignant was. No, I thought it was. No, I don't think so. I was saying oh, it was... I totally lost my point. I, well, I was saying yeah. people's expectations were because it was uh, just the... HBO. HBO, the, mm. the ad, the fucking poster, the trailer. I totally thought it was. Well, hold on. Let me look it up. I don't think it is, though. No, maybe it's not. I don't know. No. Let's see. No. It's directed by James Wan. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, not. It doesn't say anything. No, it's Warner Bros. I just meant Warner that it was an expectation that like horror audiences are being like, per, like, like I, I feel like re, yeah, if, I see what you mean. If you only know horror from recent years, then you think that it's this artistic thing, like it's all hereditary or whatever. Right. Whereas, like, okay. I'm a fan of the genre, so I'm like, no, you don't understand. In the '80s, it was all like, like this. this, and it, yeah, and, and exactly. it wasn't a failing that it was like this. Like people liked that it was, that it was, it was like good. this. Like it was kind of yeah. funny and stuff. And the yeah. point was the practical effects, the reveals, yeah. the storytelling, like the, the twist. Jump scares. <laughs> the jump scares. The jump scares, I think, arguably, like, people will tell you they're a little bit cheap. Like, there, there's actually, like, oh. um, I mean, they still work, but there is this yeah. thing where they literally get, like, I, studios are supposedly will, like, make you put jump scares in because they work, like, consistently yeah. and they can make a commercial where they show people in the audience being jump scared and stuff. Yeah. But it's kind of a cheap tool as opposed to, like, a more disturbing thing or whatever. But with that being mm -hmm. said, it's still a fucking tool. And, like, uh, the, I don't know. This movie, like, the, the twist, I think, worked. Because, for me, I didn't think of the twin thing. 
I I was watching it and I was like, the reason people are going to be disappointed in this movie is probably because it 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 uh, broadcasts so hard that the twist is just that the monster is the cancer, right? They took the cancer out and then the cancer like embodied itself and that's the monster. And so when it turned out to be like kind of a variation on that, I was like, bravo, this is pretty interesting. This mm-hmm. weird reveal where the camera turns in the, in the scene in the hospital and it's like, it's not a cancer, it's a conjoined twin and it's like in her head. <laughs> it's all like practical effects and stuff. It's okay, kind of cool. I totally see your point. I I misunderstood and thought you were saying this was A24 and I 100% did not even question it because I did think it was A24. I mean, I didn't think that before, but when I thought you were saying that, I was like, that makes oh, sense. You know no, why? No. Because of the trailer. Yeah. Because the trailer, <laughs> I think, purposely was trying to make people think that it was going to be like an A24. Well, see, that, that's how like, um, advertising and production and yeah. stuff comes in. Because you can make a movie that is one thing, and then yeah. they, they, like, they'll get scared that not enough people are going to buy it because people don't go to whole mm. fucking movies anymore. So we don't have, in the late 90s, you could make experimental fucking dramas and horrors, and they would get yeah. produced, and the, the studios would have no problem just letting you make being John Malkovich or Fight Club or whatever, right? But nowadays, because the economy is so fucking wrecked, and because no one goes to movies, you have every movie has to be a Marvel movie. That's why every movie is a Marvel movie, is because they know that they're consistently people that will just eat that shit up like fucking slop, like every single time. So with these other like genres, we're calling you pigs, but we are. I am. I mean, I fucking hate Marvel movies. But if you're with these other genres, you see like the death of like horror and also like these like mid mid level comedies that used to come out that's because if you make a movie like that you will get notes back that say like hey cool movie but the thing is we need to make sure that people see this so we're going to market it in the fucking style of the times and i think that's why this got i think that's why this movie didn't get marketed as a fucking like a like a practical effects goofy like campy Mm, horror film it got marketed as a serious one because right now that's what's like in vogue and so people were like oh it's gonna be like a jordan peele like us thing yeah super thoughtful (laughs) fucking yeah yeah no there was actually uh there was a tweet that went viral (laughs) that i loved i retweeted it was like a guy i don't know some random dude i don't even follow but he took a screen grab of the scene where you know the sister with the wig right and the and the guy in her head right in the back of her head says to the adoptive sister uh very dramatically like you don't know this but our parents adopted me when I was eight <laughs> <laughs> you know like super fucking dramatic yeah. and the guy tweet like tweets just a screen grab with like the the word the caption you know and then he writes on the tweet uh if you didn't burst out laughing at this scene, then this movie was not made for you and just accept it. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is awesome. I don't understand why you guys don't like it. It's perfect. I I even as though even though I figured out part of it, I was like, this is great. This is so fun. This is very enjoyable. And you're right, I like the um the women stuff, dude, the baby shit. It was fucking weird. Like then the fact that it was like the brother was eating, like, she had had multiple miscarriages, so then she realized that it was him eating her babies. Yeah, the devil. That. The male yeah. patriarchal devil that lives in her yeah. head that was eating and her babies. And wanted to own her body and wanted to have power over her body. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's fucking... I'm telling you, even the shittiest thing, if you hate it, think about it deeply enough, and every artist, like, maybe 
they execute things badly sometimes, but they had usually a good premise and intention behind it. I don't know. Not all of them, I guess. But uh, unless you have anything else to say, I think I'm going to save mine for the next one because, okay, we're going to end this with me assigning you a lot of homework, Jake. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, because you need to watch White Lotus. Okay. Okay. If you can, that's less important. But that's what I was going to tell you about. And I really only maybe have a brief thing to talk about, but it would be interesting to get your take on it. I've heard it's good. I'll I'll, I'll watch it. It is good, and it's, I don't know, only like 10 episodes or less than that, maybe eight, six, I don't know. Um, But I have a a very specific thing I want to talk about that. Uh, Also, did you go to the movie theater during this pandemic and watch (laughs) Candyman? No, but I really want to because I like Candyman a lot. I will go again and see it with you. Do you want to go together on a podcast outing? I already saw it. Sure. But um, we have to talk about it. And here's the thing. Uh, There's a huge racial component to Candyman, obviously. You've seen the first one, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and there is some history to be discussed in terms of like how the first one was received versus how the second one is received and all of that. Yeah. But unless we get a guest, I'm not really interested in touching the racial components of it because I think that's been talked about on some other podcasts better. Check out the struggle session episode. There's other things. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But what I would like to talk about is the fact that there's like a whole artist fucking narrative in it jake and the whole thing is like really about Candyman coming after artists you gotta check it out okay that's really cool you gotta watch it so it's a big thing um and i think that's it for my homework white lotus and Candyman. we'll talk about we wanted to talk about american horror story too oh but yeah oh yes so if you can watch American Horror Story. So this is also homework for all the listeners. Well, this is also, like, we do have October just coming up in general. So maybe this can happen yes. over a couple episodes. We just do horror. Because I love horror. I, I love horror, too. I watch it all year round. So um, I've watched all the seasons of American Horror Story. If you're watching the current one, I want to talk to Jake about the first six episodes. The sixth one is this week. So I'll, this week we'll record one about American Horror Story. So you have two days. To watch six episodes, no, five episodes of the show, which you will enjoy because it involves zombies that are artists, failed artists, etc. You'll see. Oh, yeah, I love, I love American Horror Story. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's so good. Um, so there, there you go. That that outlines our next three episodes, and then also we can do a mailbag this week because these motherfuckers will not stop writing back about the Hassan shit. <laughs> so we'll fucking <laughs> answer some more of those, and then we have other people talking about other things to respond to. So we'll do that. Um, but in the meantime, so I guess in two days, when this you're releasing this this week, okay? So I don't know. Write us an email whenever the fuck you can. Uh, whyyoumadpod at gmail.com I don't have any other plugs. Anything else you want to do? Um, if you listen to Serious Radio, uh, my album is going to be streaming this Friday yeah. on Raw Dog Radio Channel 99 at 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. And then it comes out in November proper. Other than that, I don't really have anything to plug. I am never leaving my house again. And I live in New York and I'm going to enjoy the New York fall and watch Same. horror movies. Jeez, does that mean you don't want to come over for like, did it, oh, you missed this while you were on the road, but I got a grill. I'm a grill guy now. Oh, cool. That is pretty yeah, I, bought, I bought a fancy grill for 150 bucks during Labor Day weekend when everything was on sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I have plenty of hot dogs, buns, all the stuff, beer, because I don't drink beer and everybody left it from the previous hang. 
So I just have to have, uh, I got a fire pit. It's getting to fire pit season again. Hmm? Okay. Don't so leave. when we say we don't leave our house, we mean we will only go to each other's houses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm lying when I say that, but I mean, like, no, I, I leave I my house. I'm going to leave my house to do shit like that, but not for fucking comedy. No, not for other shit. Uh, <laughs> dude, going to bars, I think it's over. I think it's over. Uh, it costs too it. much money. Yeah, it's, it's fucking so stupid when you can just come to my backyard and bring a 12-pack <laughs> and drink it all yourself. Like, you could hug it and just drink it all yourself because we all bring our own drinks. Yeah. And it'll cost you, what, $14 to I know. get drunk and have a good time. And then walk home to Bushwick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can't wait to find out what you decide to watch this week. Because depending <laughs> on what you decide to watch, that's what we will talk about on the next episode. All right. I'll figure it out. They're all good. No, wait. It should be in this order of what I recommend. Candyman. We should go together. Maybe. Okay. This week. Uh, American Horror Story. I think you will enjoy very much the the current season. Okay. Right. And then third, White Lotus, because it's just a rich white people show, but th- we have critiques to say about that. All so right. It's not going to bring value to your life, but you will have negative things to say about it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go figure out when we're going to go watch Candyman. I'm into it. I love Candyman. Yeah, look it up. I can totally go with you sometime this week, and I would watch it again just to be fresh on the conversation because it is significantly different from the franchise, I guess, in this specific way of like how it frames the artist's intent and calling and all that shit. Cool. All right. Let me do it. All right. Good night. Bye, guys. Bye.